Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 253 of the Ask the Coach show, where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. Today, we discuss the youngest ever male table tennis Olympian. For Technique Tuesday, we talk about the long-lost art of the forehand block. And in the questions, we discuss adjusting to different types of spin, when to hit a push to keep it low, time limits between points, and whether it's worth practicing skills you don't use in a game. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Good morning, Alois. Morning, Jeffrey. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, good I'm ready, ready for a big show. Yeah, always, always yeah. ready. Absolutely. And as we talked about yesterday, a lot of Olympic qualifications going on around the world at the moment. It's an exciting time for table tennis. And the North American uh, Olympic qualification happened. And we have a really you know, exciting news to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So that was uh, from the 8th to the 10th of April in Canada. Um, and yeah, so the... Um, I suppose the really exciting part was that uh, we now uh, have a youngster, 14 years old, Kanak Jar, um, qualified for the Olympics. He is the youngest um, male uh, player to qualify for for the uh, for table tennis, and he's the first player born in the 2000s to qualify for any US. Olympic team. So there you go, uh, Kanak Jar. Well done. And uh, and did it the hard way. So they um, the we, we, we've talked about the different formats uh, for each of the, the regions. And uh, so the North American qualification had three uh, tournaments. So uh, they have a full draw tournament. Uh, the winner of the tournament goes through uh, as the first qualifier. Um, everyone else goes into another tournament. They play another tournament. And uh, again, the winner goes through. And then once again, um, they play the third tournament, you know, without the, the winners from the first two. And the winner goes through. So uh, so Kanak uh, got through in the third and final tournament in his last chance. So, uh, so yeah, big result. Um, big result for, for the US and uh, really exciting prospects, you know, with... Um, so just looking through the qualifiers. So um, Eugene Wang uh, from Canada um, was the first male qualifier. Then Feng Yijun from the US and Kanak took out the third um, single spot. In the women's, a bit more interest or a bit interesting because um, Wu, uh, Wu Yue from uh, US won the Pan Am Games, the, pa- uh, the Pan Pacific Games. Um, so that automatically got her a qualification spot already. So she didn't even have to play the qualification tournament. Um, so then really there was only two spots up for grabs. So Lily Zhang um, got the, won the first tournament. Uh, Zhang Mo from Canada, a um, bit of a veteran now, uh, won the second tournament. But they did still play the third tournament because Jackie Zheng uh, from the US won the third tournament. And as such gets the team spot for the US um, in uh, by doing that. So, um, 
yeah, so interesting, interesting event. Again, you know, another six players qualified for uh, the Olympics. Really exciting stuff. You know, it's, it, if you can start to feel it getting really close um, now, it's only uh, it's only a couple of months away. There you go. Um, so, do you know what happened to Ariel Singh? That is a good question. I will have to look that up. Um, yeah, because um, it's interesting because I just recently on Kickstarter, I backed the Top Spin movie and that was all about the Olympic qualifying for last Olympics. And I only just received the DVD recently and watched the movie and it was a really good movie, Alice, about, um, yeah, these Americans. So Lily Zhang and Ariel Singh and I've forgotten the guy's name. Um trying to qualify for um, the 2012 Olympics. And, yeah, and, and it, it's really good. And it goes through, like you said, those qualification process, which I think was pretty similar for last time. And, um, yeah, so interesting results. Not in the draw. Um, so I wonder, I wonder if she didn't qualify through the U.S. system, perhaps, um, the the each country would have had a limitation on the number of players, I'm sure. Um, and so the US have got Lily Zhang in there, Crystal Wang, uh, Chen Wang, and Jackie Zheng. Um, and, yeah, no Ariel. So maybe she didn't qualify through the US system. But, to, yeah, because uh, mm, only two players from each country can go to the singles. Um, in the singles, yeah, three three overall. But um, I know in Australia for the uh, Oceania qualification, we could only have five players uh, maximum. Um, and I think most other countries had four players maximum. I think Australia got the fifth because it was the host country. So, um, All right. Well, we'll have to do some more research. I'll see if I can find out what happened. Interesting. Well, there you go. Well, Big news, youngest ever Olympian, first player uh, born in the 2000s to represent the USA. Does that make you feel old, Alois? Uh, it certainly does, yeah. So it's youngest ever male player. Great, yes, good good yeah. point. Yeah, so it does, it does make me feel old because um, 2000s, oh, my goodness. Imagine being born in the 2000s. And wow. playing at the Olympics. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on to yesterday's Pink Skillers question of the day, which was, who is your favourite European men's and women's player? Okay, so um, Tune said um, that he was. There you go. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, that you, you think that way. But I'm sure he's joking. Um, Batia said, for Europe, of course, Waldner. He can do anything like a dancer. So smooth, so natural. Ah, <laughs> I agree with you. Um, Marcus said uh, Simon Gorsi and Patricia Solia. Yeah, interesting. So Patricia, really dynamic or good uh, good defensive player. Um, Ilya said Ovcharov and Solia. So Solia getting a couple of votes there um, in the women's. Uh, Atto said Phyllis Ruin. Again, another chopper. Uh, beautiful to watch. Thad Birchall. Now, Thad, I'm just guessing that maybe you're British. Gone for Tin Tin Ho, the up-and-coming English women's player, and Liam Pitchford. Hmm, yeah, beautiful. Both both of them beautiful players. Have to have to say you're not far off the mark. Uh, Jahangar Kabir said uh, Timo Boll. 
still getting some votes. Um, another votes for Ovcharov and Solia by Hassan. And <clears throat> Dita said, of course, it's Cedric Noitink. Lovely pronunciation. How did I go, Dita? Cedric Noitink. <laughs> Very good. So there you go. Um, I think, yeah, it sounds like Ovcharov and Solja, um, probably the most popular there. Yeah, there you go. Great. All right. Well, Apart from, of course, Cedric Noitink. <laughs> he just loves saying that. Well done. Bad All right. Luck. So today's Pink Sealers question of the day is, what is your favourite sport apart from table tennis? So jump on our Facebook page or onto the Pink Skills blog and let us know your favourite sport apart from table tennis. Yeah, we all know that table tennis is number one, right? So it's just, you know, who comes second? Exactly. All right. Now, it is Tuesday, at least here in Australia, Alois. So that means it's Technique Tuesday. And we're talking about this shot, which, you know, if you watch the pros, seems to be almost gone because they're so good and topspin all the time. But we want to talk about the forehand block. Yes. So the forehand block as you say, is becoming a bit defunct, isn't it? Um, so, the, it, I mean, but I think um, it's still a stroke that you need to learn and need to be able to control the ball with the forehand side. Um, yeah, someone's certainly. Because, because players don't go just from being not able to block to suddenly doing these great forehand toll spins. It's, you know, you, the top players would all have amazing forehand blocks, amazing good control. Yeah, that's right. And um, it's it's a stroke that you, you need to develop as you are coming up um, through the ranks in table tennis. If you, if you just started by doing countertop spins, I think you're going to get yourself into um, a few problems. You're going to start to find that um, you're going to miss the ball a lot, um, especially early on. So, so really important to start off with that you develop the control of the block. So the, the block is basically just a small forehand stroke. So uh, we know the, the forehand stroke starts here and finishes there. So the block is just a smaller version of that um, same stroke. So um, really useful, especially um, as you're starting out in the game and learning to play and um, developing your game. It's a stroke that you will use quite a lot um, in the game. You know, when If you push uh, long and the other person top spins to you, t- to start off with, the block is the safest option um, on that next ball. So, yeah, spend some time practicing the block because it is a stroke that you will use in a game situation. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for some reason, a lot of players tend to have a stronger backhand block than the forehand block. Do you find that? And what what are some reasons for that? Yeah, I think. Well, I think we. Um, utilize the backhand block more than the forehand block. You know, as you were saying, we start to develop the topspin a lot a lot quicker on the forehand side. Um, but I also think that the backhand is probably a little bit easier because you're right behind the line of vision and you can see that ball um, a lot easier to, to block it. So, um, yeah, I think it's yeah a little bit more uh, out of need as well. Yeah, and it seems to me that when people are doing exercises, if you're, you know, an attacking player and playing some topspin exercises, often you'll play that to the person's backhand, um, maybe because you think you'll get a more consistent uh, 
block for your own stroke. So maybe yeah. we just get more practice with the backhand as well. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I think we probably practice hitting it to the backhand more because uh, usually that's the less dominant side uh, for the your opponent. So that's where you want to um, practice placing the ball more, I suppose, into the, into the other person's backhand corner. So, yeah, so all, uh, all good. But um, forehand block, practice it, learn it, learn the control first. Um, it's, it's an important stroke to start off with. Excellent. All right. So, yeah, everyone get out there this week and practice your forehand blocking. All right. Now it is time for the big segment of the show, This Day in History, What Happened on the 12th of April. 12th of April, 1991, Lu Wen was born. A big Whoa. day in table tennis. There, there you go. go. See, she wasn't born in the 2000s. That doesn't make me feel no. as old. No, exactly. Like, you know, just in the 90s. <laughs> she's old. She's, she's so old. Like she's so old. Yeah. Lucy Wen. Like she's, <laughs> she's nine years older than Kanak Ja. <laughs> Indeed. Very good. All right. Exciting news. Yeah. Now, let's get... Let, yep. Absolutely. That's All right. Let's Wen. get stuck into the questions. First up is a question from Ilya, who's used the Google Q&A button. He says, when I play person A, who whose pushes are really heavy, I can loop them consistently. But then I play person B right after, and I keep hitting the ball off the end because his pushes have barely any spin. I try telling myself to adjust, but it doesn't work. So how can I deal with this situation? Yeah. Um so that those subtle changes are often the hardest changes, aren't they? I mean, and firstly, it's great that you can topspin against the heavy backspin ball. That's a really important stroke to develop. So then how do you adjust between the two? The first and the most important thing is to remain relaxed. So if you're very tight when you're making that um, topspin and then you try to adjust, everything's really solid. You know, it's almost like concrete here. If you're relaxed, it's much easier to make the subtle changes with the angles of your bat and um, and get over that next ball. If you if you think about it, if you just started by just you know someone pushing the ball lightly and that's the stroke you need to play, you can play the stroke. It's not it's not a matter of uh, not being able to play the stroke. It's just the adjustment um, that's the that's the hard part. So really focus on remaining relaxed to allow those subtle changes, the changes in the wrist angle and the, um, and the hand to, uh, to get over the top of that ball. For me, that's, that's the really critical thing. Yeah, some good points there. And sometimes I find, Alois, that when the ball comes with less spin, people think they don't have to put as much top spin on the ball and so you can often you know, hit the ball long. I think it's still important to get some top spin on those strokes just to give yourself yeah. a bit more margin for error. Yeah, absolutely. So that um, yeah, the top spin on that uh, next ball is 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 critical too because it it gets that ball to dip onto the table. If you hit the ball flat, you know you see that no spin ball, and you sort of think, okay, I'm going to whack it. By whacking it, the ball's just going to go straight and end up flying off the end, as Jeff said. So by putting a bit more top spin on the ball, you're going to get better. Um, dip on the ball and the ball's going to get onto the table. So, yeah, really good point, Jeff. Topspin is also a very important key. 
Awesome. All right. Good luck, Ilya. Next up is a question from Jim, who is asking, to help keep the push low, should I hit the ball right off the bounce or as it's rising or at the top of the ball's travel or just after the ball's on the way down? What are your thoughts, Alois? Yeah, so you can do any of those. And so you, to, you, to keep the ball low, you can do any of those. Um, for me, I think it's easier um, when you hit the ball early off the bounce uh, because the ball is a little bit lower to start off with. If you let the ball bounce up high, it's it's ha- more difficult to keep that ball low um, over the net, but it's still possible to do. The, the real key, though, is to make sure that you're brushing underneath the ball when you're making that push. If you um, tap the ball flat uh, like that, then the ball is going to go up um, and sit up a bit. So really brush through, uh, sorry, brush under the ball and brush forward on it as well. So by brushing forward and under the ball, you're going to be able to keep that ball um, nice and low over the net. If you're taking it early, you don't even need too much um, forward action. It's just uh, feel and touch and just pushing underneath and forward um, on the on the push to keep, to keep it low. Yeah, interesting there. Um, one other thing that we found useful, Alois, is, you know, setting up a little string above the net in practice just so you can, you know, help you um, see how high the ball is going over the net. And it's amazing when you put a bit of focus on this, just how quickly you can adjust how high your pushes are going over the net. Yeah, so take yeah, take a look at that video that we've got on uh, keeping the ball low and you'll just see the simple setup that we have um, to focus your attention so yeah cool all right i'll put a link in the show notes it's called keeping the ball low um yeah so take a look at that jim also and yeah because i think yeah once you put your focus on it you'll be able to keep the ball low and then yeah experiment with taking the ball earlier taking it at the top i don't think taking it on its way down is great because it's it's leaving the ball traveling quite a long way back and then it's hard for you to keep it shorter so i think you know either early or on the top is better um, but, yeah, have a look at that video and, and work on improving your pushing. Good work, Jim. Such an important part of the game. All right. Um, Tom has asked a question. He says, I am wondering if there is a time rule for getting the ball um, back for serving, so after each point. Because he says, I'm 70 years old and have a heart and lung condition, which allows me to play each point with strong smashes, but at the end of the rally, I am exhausted. Ah, Tom, take your time. We don't want you having any heart problems on the table. Just take your time. So there isn't any um, specified uh, amount of time. So it's not like 30 seconds or a minute or anything like that that, um, that you need to comply to. The, the rule just says that play needs to be continuous. But, you know, if... Um, if you're physically struggling, it's completely fine to take um, a few more seconds in between um, in between points to play. Um, and, you know, it might be worth just talking to the umpire, talking to your opponent um, and just telling them that, you know, just saying that, okay, I, I, I do struggle physically and I just need a bit of time in between points to recover. And, um, and I'm sure they'll understand. They don't want to uh, see you uh, going through any, um, any heart problems, not on the table. No, definitely work. not. No, the paperwork yeah. is horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> What's horrendous? The paperwork. 
Terrain. Oh, yes, horrendous, terrible. <laughs> My goodness. Um, now, 70 years old, Alice, does that make you feel young? Exactly. I'm a spring chicken. Spring chicken, I am. <laughs> it's all about perspective, isn't it? That's right. Kanak jar, baby. <laughs> Indeed. Well, great to see, Tom, that you're um, getting out there and still playing. And, you know, that's one of the great parts of this game. You can play it at any age. So well done, Tom, and keep keep playing. Good work. All right. Next up is a question from Tusha, who says, I have become a very offensive player, and I usually do a third ball attack um, and attack on services with flicks. And top spins. So I hardly used my push, almost never. My club member asked me why I practice it when I don't use it in a game. Okay, really relevant. So uh, when you're when you're practicing, it needs to reflect what you are doing in a game. So that's that's important. Um, but I, I wouldn't say never practice your pushing because it is a stroke that you will use sometimes, and and just developing the. The touch um, is important, but if you're not using it much in a game, it's no point um, spending an hour out of a two-hour training session practicing your push. Practice the things that are relevant. Practice the things that you utilize in a game situation. So you said on the shorter ball, you usually flick. So practice your flick uh, more in the training situation. But don't completely neglect pushing because it is a stroke that can be useful um, especially if you come up against an opponent that likes people flicking at them, um, you know, and even though your push isn't very good, perhaps when you push to them, they really struggle. So just being, just having the um, uh, ability to change tactically um, is important. So practice it a bit, but certainly if you're not using it much, don't practice it much. Yeah, that's good advice. But yeah, like you said, with this pushing, I think it is a skill that is necessary in the game and maybe you should actually try and use it a little bit more, Tusha, because if you're flicking every ball, your opponent's just going to be ready for it. They never have to worry about going in for a short ball. So just by sometimes pushing the ball short, it's going to make those flicks so much more effective. So, yeah, have a think about that for your game. Uh, I think, you know, you probably should still practice that and still use it a bit more in a game. All right, Alloys, that wraps up show 253. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, thanks for all your questions. Make sure you visit pingskills.com. Sign up for our free email newsletter if you haven't. We send out great tips every week. And, of course, thank you, Alloys. Thank you, Jeff, and uh, we shall see you tomorrow morning, Wednesday. Indeed. See you, everyone. Bye.